Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Welcome to another episode of Empowering Entrepreneurs. I'm Julie Smith, and I am missing my other teammate, Glenn Harper, but it's for a good reason. Um, we have a guest today, Ellie Smith, who her and I have had one conversation, and I said, oh my gosh, we have to have you on the podcast, and we kind of have to do a girl power thing. Um, she runs a law firm and is doing you know, a lot of the operational stuff, kind of like myself, and has really found, you know, I think she has a little bit of an entrepreneur bug in her, of trying to take what she's doing and take that to the masses um, for the law world. And we just really hit it off. So Ellie, thank you so much for coming on today. I so appreciate it. Oh, I hey, I was thrilled when you asked me to do this because agreed. I think we had a great conversation the first time. Yeah. And I heard you love yoga. I do. Yes. I actually have a certification. I got it years ago before I had my kids. So taught for a handful of years before COVID hit and then I went a different direction, but I have, it's, it's deeply rooted in my heart. <laughs> yeah. So you're a fellow um, career woman, mom. And, you know, I think we share that of trying to have a successful career and manage that household as well. And it's something that, you know, I think both of us struggle with, um, but somehow we're always pulled in two directions and, and have to keep that going. That's right. Absolutely. It's kind of what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Trying to show those kids exactly exactly how to have a little bit of that work ethic and, and you can do anything in this world. So she's the director Great. of operations for the Rod Firm. And Ellie, tell me about your day-to-day inside the law firm and kind of how you came about getting to where you are today. Day-to-day. Oh my gosh. Day-to-day is like a million different things. There is no norm in the operations world, as I'm sure you know, especially for a, a, a small practice. So a um, little bit of background for me. Uh, I actually moved to Georgia about five years ago. My background's in sales, actually, uh, years and years of sales. And when I moved down here, um, I there weren't any really sales opportunities in my industry. And I knew Chris through um, my sister, essentially, Chris Rod, and he's like, I'll hire you as a legal assistant. So I came into the firm knowing about as much about law as you would learn from watching like Judge Judy (laughs) or Law and Order. And I just um, learned the ins and outs of it. And then over the years, I've been with him for about four years now and actually almost five years. uh, And I have now moved up to the director of operations and client experience. So, And do you feel like in your role, you are essentially running the business so that he can do what he does really, really well. That's the ultimate goal. I mean, I've been in this role for, it'll just be about a year come this April. So, um, I mean, I think even more now than three months ago, yes. Um, it's really difficult for a firm owner to kind of release the reins off of what they've been doing 
solo really for years and years since opening up their own business and allow someone else to kind of step in and start making those decisions. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the ultimate goal for, for the two of us to find that balance. And how do you think, you know, Glenn and I went through the same thing, but how do you think the two of you have been able to kind of come to that mutual trust, respect, all those things to be able for him to hand some of that over to you? Um, how do you like give us a synopsis of that process so fellow entrepreneurs can kind of understand why this role is so important? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think it's, from an entrepreneur perspective, when you're speak, when we're speaking to business owners, you know, attorneys or um, not just attorneys, but whoever's owning their small business, you know, you're with a CPA firm, right? I'm with yeah. the law firm, so different industries, but kind of the same idea. All the same. Um, and and uh, you know, I, I think that it's allowing yourself to be okay with someone else coming in and. Number one, taking some of that off of your plate, but also giving them the trust to do that. I mean, Chris and I have known each other a long time, so we had a, a, a deep-rooted trust kind of already. And then when he approached me about this um, this role, we both knew it was going to be you know a transition to go there. But we're very, it, I mean, we're like, I don't even want to say to a fault because that makes it sounds bad, but we're really honest with each other. You know, we both tell each other how we're feeling with the scenarios, and we respect each other enough to listen so that we can grow. And I think it's that mutual respect and transparency between the two of you. Like there's no judgment because, yeah. you know, I, it's like your work marriage, right? It's like you got to come in because if not, there's going to be resentment. You're going to build up the wall. Mm -hmm. And eventually yeah. you're like, you know what? I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. And I think if you have that transparency and communication, you guys can figure it out, right? Communication is everything. So trying to figure it out together is oftentimes yeah. easier. And then you're not you know, going, butting heads against each other. What are, exactly. what are some of the biggest challenges you see with small law firms? You know, I think your and I's position in industries are, are a lot, the relatable. Um, mm -hmm. But from your perspective, as you've kind of gone through this, what do you see as those challenges? For small firms, like as they grow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that um, I think some of the big challenges that I've noticed is um, culture is a really big challenge, um, especially when you're in a small firm. And it kind of depends on how long the firm's been around. If it's a newer firm, right, you're kind of starting with the understanding that you're going to you're going to change and grow within kind of modern times. When you're talking about a firm that's small, that's old, that's been around for 10, 15, 20 years, and they're trying to grow, there's there's a change in culture that needs to happen, not just from, you know, attorney or uh, um, legal assistance or paralegal perspective, but the attorneys need, need to be involved as well. My assumption, if anyone's listening to this, though, as an attorney or, a, or a, you know, a CPA owner, you know, firm owner, whatever, they're already kind of on board with that. But I think that's one of the big ones. Um, you know, the other thing is the fear of change. Uh, it's really scary to, <laughs> you know, to to not only like release the reins and let somebody else take over, but even if you don't have that operations person and, and even if you are doing it individually and you're kind of taking those steps forward, it's scary to to shift processes that have been in place for a millions, you know, millions of years, so to speak. <laughs> Quote unquote. And I think yeah. I think what's so important about, you know, our positions is the firm owners in general have a vision, have a goal of kind of yep. they can see that. And, you know, I think we both are visionaries as well and can kind of see that. But you always have, you know, like the executor and, and then the visionary or the integrator and the visionary. 
And mm-hmm. I, th- I think for both of us, we kind of fall into both those categories. But I think the most important part of the role is that you guys are able to communicate and then you can go take that to the team and it's not necessarily the firm owner. And sometimes yeah. I think we speak a different language than them and are able to communicate that directly with each person involved rather mm-hmm. than them trying to get everybody involved if if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Our you know, our firm's kind of unique. Chris really likes to stay super involved. You know, anytime we have any changes, he really likes to talk about that kind of like, you know, coming from him, which I love, you know, but from a day-to-day perspective, he still expects me to go in and and have those kind of one-on-one conversations, and make sure that the processors are following along with what that vision is. And it's next to impossible, truly, it's next to impossible for any firm owner or small business owner to be able to do both well, especially when it gets to a certain point. You just don't have the, the bandwidth or the time of the day. And if you don't, then one thing is going to slip. Either your processes day-to-day are going to slip or your the original reason why you started the firm, which was, you know, in our case, being an attorney, focusing on clients. And that's going to start slip if you start going the other way, which you don't want to do. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think being in leadership positions, do you find, you know, I asked about your day to day and we can joke about it being the chaos coordinator. I oftentimes (laughs) call myself the the barista, you know, because you just really don't know what's going to come your way. But I do find that I spend a lot of my time listening. Yep. And really trying to, you know, be that trusted person that they can kind of, you know, are they venting? Are they, is it a real problem that we need to, you know, discuss? And really, mm-hmm. I think, you know, our emotional intelligence is, comes into play day to day in regards to every employee, because I really try to talk to every employee every day, even if it's a small check-in, hey, you doing okay? Or, hey, I get the full, the full spiel for, you know, 30, 45 minutes, whatever that looks like. And so I think listening is so imperative. And I think the difference between firm owners and us we can take the time to listen and use that emotional intelligence to decide, hey, are they just venting today? Like, it's just a tough day. Or, hey, I recognize this is a real problem. I'm going to take action. And not only am I going to take action, but I'm going to involve you maybe in that action. And you're going to understand the follow-up. Because oftentimes, even if someone listens, if they do nothing about it, you're going to lose that, you know, relationship. And so do you find you just are doing that on the day-to-day basis? I mean, definitely, uh, you know, especially in the terms of the growth phase, as you grow, you know, the people that you're with need to be on board with that as well. And growth can kind of like, it's hard in a lot of ways, especially for the people, what I call the boots on the ground, you know, the boots on the ground people are seeing really the kind of overarching brunt of that change. And most of the time, at least our team is completely on board to wrap their arms around it and, and embrace it. But there's definitely going to be frustrations and challenges that come up. And if you're not willing to listen to that and then pivot accordingly, you know, if need be, it's, it's really going to be a, a serious issue in the firm. Absolutely. And so, you know, do you think that, and I forget what's the, the turn, the guy that you work with, I was going to say Rick, Chris, see, I I totally was going to mess it up. Chris, (laughs) do do you think Chris sees himself as an entrepreneur or how does he view himself and how does he run that business? Because um, oftentimes people running businesses don't see themselves as that entrepreneur. 
Yes. For Chris, I mean, that's a hundred percent. Yes. Um, he, he's very unique in the sense that, you know, I was, uh, um, I was thinking kind of through this entrepreneur comp- like thought, even just had this past couple of weeks and he embraces that for sure. Because I mean, he's all about taking risk and, you know, embracing the change and, you know, he stays super laser focused, you know, and all that as well. So absolutely. And I know you are working on your passion. Maybe you can just give us a little bit of background on your passion and the change you want to see in your industry. So yes, um, our our firm, in my opinion, is really, really unique. Um, now, one thing that we do, which isn't unique all in and of itself, we are um, we do only personal injury at our firm. So we're not uh, a law firm that does kind of your overarching general litigation, you know, a little bit of civil, a little bit of real estate, a little bit of criminal, you know, and nothing against those firms. If they haven't structured in the right way, I'm sure they're highly successful, but we personally feel very strongly about being very specialized in one field of law because it allows us to do the same thing every single day. Um, there are massive idiosyncrasies, which in within every area of law, you know, personal injury, you know, not being an exception to that. And if you don't, live in that world 100% of the time, things can can slide by you. Um, And, you know, I I personally think that because we do find ourselves within that that specialized area, it gives us a leg up to help our clients in in all ways. Um, We can narrow our technology around what can help us just in personal injury. We can narrow our marketing around what can help us just in personal injury. Um, our processes in place and the conversations with we have that we have with our clients is just around, you know, treatment and, you know, medical records and different things like that. You know, we're not pulling ourselves in a million different directions. So um, it is a massive passion of Chris's since I have come on board years ago and I've kind of seen him grow this firm. Um, I, com- I completely back it. I think it's an amazing, amazing thing that we do for our clients. And I know that you have one thing that you believe to be the most important in your firm. And so how have you done that and taken that and been able to really capitalize on that for the clients? So are you talking about like our client communication? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, I think you. I, fr- I had a note written down from the first time we met about <laughs> the the initial call. And how you believe that to just be so important. And so you've really focused your energy and your firm into perfecting that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I was like, what was the one thing? I mean, I have so many one things probably depending on the week. I know. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, Yeah. Our intake process. uh, Agreed. I think that the intake process for a firm is really, in my opinion, one of the most important things. And here's why. Um, when someone gets hurt or when someone needs something and they call someone on the phone, number one, that that first call is highly scary. I mean, any of us that's been in any area where we're needing something from someone, especially in a traumatic situation, it's really scary. And if you get someone on the phone that like, A, doesn't know what they're talking about or B, doesn't really seem to care, then you're even in a worse place than you kind of were before. Um, and so, I, you know, when, when we... Chris and I both are very, very passionate about this together. And because of my sales background, I am like all about the intake process, you know, getting them on the phone, getting them to the right person and having a really solid conversation with them to let them know that not only are we here for them, but we hear what they're saying. We understand what they're going through and we can help them through that is so important. Um, and if that intake process, what I call intake, that first call with a client's not solid, 
you know, we might as well not have a firm, honestly. I mean, what do we do? So how did you get the person who's answering the phone to really buy into that and then really see the vision with that? Yeah. So this has changed over the years. Um, when Chris first opened his, his firm, it was just me. I was the only person that was an employee of his. And now we have um, like eight of us in this office. So we've grown a lot. Um, when it was just me, it was easy because that was my entire background, right? I knew sales and everything. Now that we've grown, we don't actually have a receptionist here, which is kind of unique in the law industry. Most, most attorney's offices have receptionists. I mean, we don't, we all pitch in and we answer the phone. So it's been a, um, everyone in our office is on board with our culture, um, which is exceeding expectations, putting clients first, you know, going that extra mile for our clients. And that just kind of bleeds into everything that we do. And from there, it was just kind of a training piece. Like what conversations do you have? I have a, an SOP, you know, that's written out. I created a video that kind of showed people what basic questions to ask. And it doesn't matter, you know, who answers the phone. They don't need to know the ins and outs of how to explain a contract to a person. They don't need to know, you know, the little teeny steps that happen in the process. Eventually they will. But even if we have a new employee, um, all they need to know is, you know, how are you? How are you feeling? You know, with, you know, how did you get hurt? And, and what can we do to, to make this better? And it's that simple. Isn't it crazy when you break it down? It's so simple in order to, you know, having that client service. So you talk about how you've grown and how it was just, you know, you and Chris to begin with. How did you go about hiring the right people to create the right culture? That's a really good question. Um, you know, it's it's been trial and error. <laughs> I'll tell you. I mean, it's hiring is is it's tough. Um, you know, we have a a pretty strict um, hiring what we call a hiring funnel. Um, so whenever we need somebody, you know, to add to a new position. First off, we, we do it with it. We use the word intentionality a lot. Um, we don't really like to do anything in this firm kind of just like willy nilly or just because like, nah, we'll just try it and see what happens. There's certainly a time and a place for that. Right. And um, I, I'm going to interject because I think I find Glenn and I talk about this on the, the podcast. A lot of small business owners don't have that intentionality. And mm -hmm. so they meet someone and I'm going to say the bar, the gym, what have you. And they're like, oh, you want to come work with me? Not yeah. knowing exactly the intention of what they're wanting out of that. And so yes. I think the what you just said is so important for entrepreneurs is to understand the intention when you're hiring. Yep, exactly. What role you're needing, what type of personality you need. Like we even go as far as sending out, we'll use a, I hate to call it a personality test. It's called the Colby assessment um, is what we use. And it, it actually kind of tests who, how people function kind of by default. So most personality tests out there take into consideration, you know, current stage of life, um, what their surroundings are, you know, what scenario you find yourself in. And this kind of tests people as far as like, you know, all that aside, what they, what they do best by default. And so we even take it as far as sending that out to make sure that they actually are a good fit because we want a really well-rounded team. We want some people with this personality trait and that personality trait and this personality trait so that we can all blend. It would be not very good if we had a, you know eight people with the same personality trait because then nothing else would get done, you know? Right. And um, so as you've grown, how has your role been so imperative to that growth? To go from one employee to eight is huge. And yes. so how has your role, you know, how has it been so imperative and how do you view that role as, as you know, entrepreneurs are growing? 
Yeah. Um, you mean in the director of operations role? Yes. So I think really my, what I want to do is I want to give Chris the freedom to do what he does best. I mean, truly, I mean, you should see him when he's, you know, in a deposition or at trial. I mean, he's in his element there, you know, and while he's great at talking to employees and doing all of that as well, you know, if he's, you know, spending 50% of his day just kind of like managing the office, he can't do what he does best, which doesn't give our, our clients what they need, right? It is not to the best interest of the client. So you know, being in my role and assisting him in order to manage, you know, team issues or really procedural stuff. Like we have a, we have a little thing that we print stamps on that like every month that just decides to stop working for whatever reason. And I'm the only one that seems to know how to fix it. Like, and I, I, it's just a random skill that I have, I guess, you know, so it's just little things that, you know, he would have to step in and do that, you know? And, and so being able to, to, to come in and allow him to do that and also share his vision and put, you know, procedures in place in order to grow that firm is really important. When you have one person doing everything as an assistant to having, you know, we have um, five people, right? Five assistants doing stuff. Those processes and procedures change. You got to break it up and make sure that you're really intentional about what each person is doing and that they all flow together. And so in regards, you talked about personality when hiring, how do you and Chris's personalities differ alike and complement each other because it's really important when you have those two people together. So if you could give us a little background, take the curtain away of what that kind of looks like. Uh, we probably couldn't be any more opposite, to be honest. It's funny. Um, uh, he is the most calm, cool, collected person you've ever met in your entire life. Like truthfully, I've never seen him get upset. Like he's just, his ability to compartmentalize and kind of streamline and do whatever he needs to get done. is just astounding to me. I strive to do it every single day. <laughs> you know, I'm a bit more, um, uh, you know, boisterous, I guess I should say, or, you know, I mean, you can probably tell just from this interview, you know, we're just, we're just really, really opposite, but it allows us to be able to soundboard off of each other. You know, he kind of brings that calm, cool, collective element. And I'm like, a, you know, let's do this, you know, type of a deal. It's going to be fine. We've got, we've got the things in place and to get it done, it'll be okay. Like, let's just, let's do this, you know? Um, so it's, it's worked really well. Of course we have our, you know, our times that <laughs> as, as all people do. You As you should, or you would, or you would just be a yes person and he's not looking yep. for a yes person. Exactly. You so, know, it's funny. He calls it, um, he has a phrase and I'm trying to remember what it is. I think it's healthy conflict is what he calls it. So whenever there's a slight, I don't even say disagreement, but tension, healthy discussion, tension. Discussion. Yeah. Yeah. He calls it healthy tension. He goes, this is good. You can't grow unless there's healthy tension, right? It's the uncomfortable areas that really allow us to kind of grow to that next level. So he completely embraces that as well. And is, does one of you process things a lot faster from what you just described? I'm going to guess it's you who <clears throat> is sometimes way over here at the finish line. And is he kind of over here, you know, I don't want to say too far behind, but he's still processing a little bit because of, he's able to be cool, calm, collected, a little bit of what that looks like where probably you and I have expedited that process. Yeah. And I, you know what, I think a big reason for that is the fact that it's not my money. I mean, <laughs> ultimately, right. I mean, he's like, he's like, okay, well, it's my business and I'm going to do that. You know, I, I keep that in mind to the massive extent that I possibly can, but at the end of the day, it's not my firm. You know, 
while I'm cognizant of that, he just sees things differently than I do, which is to be expected. It's his firm, you know? So, and I have to always remind myself of that as well, you know, at times. Um, but again, it works well for us. So, and I think and it's I try that- to come at conversations with as much data as I can possibly throw at it. That's what I was going to say. I, I do that with Glenn. Like, here's your ROI, here's your why, here's the total spend, but here's what you're going to get back out of it. And He's obviously, Glenn's obviously more of a numbers guy, but you know, he's like using the 10 key while I'm talking and I'm like, I'm saying words, <laughs> not numbers. How are, what are you calculating? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Chris is very numbers focused as well. Uh, I, I'm all about, I'm numbers to, to a point where I'm really fantastic. I love reports. Like I could just dig into reports all day long and pull different stats and different stuff like that. I think it's just super fun, probably from my sales world, my sales background, but um uh, my numbers and my concept of the numbers as it applies to the business is a very different approach than his, you know, understandably because of our roles. Uh, yes. And but I mean, I think both of us come at it from the same standpoint and it it matches up with them. It's yeah. just how do we communicate in their language? And again, that's something over time learning how each each person communicates. And sometimes I think I go into Glenn's office with an idea now and he's like, wait, I feel like. I feel like you're doing something to me because <laughs> you've just learned how to communicate to them in a way that they'll understand. And in the beginning, it's hard. Right. And so yeah. as you gr- go through this and you learn and, you know, you both are kind of in sync in regards to the business. I think that just naturally happens. It does. Um, yeah. Like I said, I mean, even like now versus three months ago, we're we're significantly further. So it just it's always a process. And, I, you know, that's you know, I think you touched on this earlier. You asked about the operations role and someone having somebody, a firm having someone in that role, you know, what do you look for and how does that help? And and um, you need to know that it's going to be uncomfortable at times, but it's so important to have that sounding board. And, you know, you said something that we touched on, but I want to just go back to, and I think oftentimes this role cannot be a yes person and it's right. okay to have those uncomfortable conversations, one, but two, it's okay to disagree. And mm-hmm. I think oftentimes, you know, in our world, like the admins, the CPAs, the accountants, the support staff, like, okay, well, whatever he says goes. And I'm mm-hmm. over here like, well, that doesn't really make sense from this standpoint. Did you think that through from that way? And what about this? You know, and so it's just that accountability. Yeah. And and I think, you know, before any of us go to do a change or go to pivot or go to do something different in the firm, it's a conversation. It's a discussion and it may be intense and it may, I may not agree in the beginning, but by the end I'm like, okay, I could see it that way, but we just need to tweak that a little bit. And I think if we do this, we'll get this person on board and, you know, having those conversations and everyone being held accountable in that room is huge. But when Mm -hmm. you walk out of the room or the office, or wherever you're having the conversation, you're a united front. Yep, agreed. And if that doesn't happen, people start finding, well, she said, well, he said, well, they said. And it's like, no, we're saying all the same things. We're all doing it the exact same way. And we're a united front. There's no, there's no way anyone's getting through that. That is what will make or break a firm. Totally. I I'm, I completely agree. The, the drama and the chit chat around the office. I mean, again, you don't have to agree with somebody, but you need to be on a united front. Absolutely. Agreed. So as, as we conclude, is there something 
that you would give to someone who's starting out in this position with an entrepreneur who wants to scale and grow, build a great culture, hire great people, build processes, do all the things that is expected of this role, what advice would you give to them? Um, I would say my number one, I mean, first be okay with being uncomfortable. I mean, that, that's truly, um, that, that's, it's a big part of this role because you're navigating, you're kind of like the bridge between the firm owner and the employees and the firm owner and the processes and the firm owner and the all those elements that you just mentioned, you're kind of the bridge between those. And so you have to be okay with being slightly uncomfortable because sometimes those two can and, you know, come at odds with, with each other. But again, that's where the, the growth happens. And so just being in it, taking a breath while you're in that space, learning as much as you can from being in that space is, is really important. Um, the other thing too is check, you know, check your, uh, check your pride. <laughs> I know that's kind of a funny thing. You maybe didn't, you maybe didn't expect me to say, but you know, there have been times where you know, I, I feel very confident in my abilities and my skills. And I have found myself kind of running over myself with all of that. And it's as a leader, <clears throat> it's really important to know that you're in a leadership role and that people are looking to you and how you respond to those uncomfortable situations. So I'm not 100 percent at it. It's a, it's a challenge every single day. But, um, you know, that's that's the other piece. And then the other part is have fun. I mean, have fun with it. Like, you know, don't put your nose to the grindstone and just like kill yourself. Like have fun with the processes and the conversations that you're doing and and you'll see the rewards of, you know, that work that you're putting in. So And I have just one more question and I, I know you're gonna be like, Julie, you didn't tell me you were gonna ask me this, but oh, <laughs> that's okay. Bring it on. What is your superpower? <clears throat> what is something that you do you feel you do better than anybody else? And it's it's the strength that you bring to the table every day. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a, um, that's a great question. Yeah. You didn't, you did spring this on me. Let's see. I, I mean, I think that, um, I, I have a lot of confidence in the, in my decisions that I make potentially to a fault at times, which is why I need to kind of keep, keep that in mind. But I think that that's a really, I think that's a strength of mine. Um, not always been that way in my life. There are many times in my past, you know, younger years where I was nervous about the decisions that I've made, but, you know, I, I, uh, I'm confident in, um, the data that I'm able to generate based on the processes we have in place and why we've put those things in place. And because of that, I'm really confident in the decisions that I make. So it allows, um, less room for kind of that, like, willy-nilly in between stuff, you know, I can be very intentional with our decisions because of all of that. So I think that's a superpower of mine. I love it. I think I think uh, I would agree 100%. So Ellie, thank you so much for coming on. I hope our thank entrepreneurs you. have been able to learn a little bit more about this role and how it can assist them and how they could find that person and what they're kind of able to do as you have, you know, went from just, just you and that entrepreneur to... <laughs> to a full-blown firm. You you've, you yeah. guys have been able to grow and scale and still keep in mind, you know, exactly what you want to do and you've been so intentional. So I, you know, kudos to you for being able to do that. It's hard, it's tough. And it uh, I think you've smiled the entire podcast. So you're having <laughs> fun and that that is half the battle. So congratulations to you. 
Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So this is Julie Smith and maybe next time we'll get, we'll get Glenn here in the, in the studio. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much. Bye. At Harper and Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.